1: Hello and Tori
0: hello, internet
1: and we started every week with good thing uh Craig, what's your good thing?
2: uh my good thing this week is a video game. all right, your turn, Dave no, um seriously though, I've been playing the heck out of Hades as you guys might have heard about uh Hayden very popular I guess it's a it's a roguelite um beat 'em up mythology game uh you, you are the son of Hades. Your goal is to break out of um the underworld it's neat. I will have to say. Trying to the leave very home. I was sort of neutral. Like I had fun, but I wasn't like this. This is I don't know if this is good yet because it was very frustrating at first. You're like you get hit with cheap shots and things like that. But it sort of has that same sort of thing as like Dark Souls or other very difficult games. You start learning the enemy pattern, the way the hitboxes are designed. Like it's all very fluid and it is telegraphed that you learn and you improve. And like your skills will improve by playing this game. So neat to see. So after I got past the frustration curve and actually like learned to be good, I got good. It was very rewarding. It's a lot of fun to play. There's a lot. They are. OK, the company who makes this game, they're the ones who make like Bastion. And um was it trans? I can't remember the name now. Transistor. Transistor. Thank you. Uh, pyre like they make some quality games they put effort to their games and you can tell they did the same thing with hades and i think hades is probably my favorite of their games um transistor was my favorite previously but now i think hades it's just so easy to pick it up and play now um they they have sunk so much time into story and the dialogue and there's lots of little touches and everything that are very rewarding to see and play so highly recommended if you're into any kind of roguelite, roguelike, and roguelite. Highly recommend it if you haven't checked it out. Okay.
3: Uh, Dave, you're up. All right. My good thing this week is one that's been on my list for a while. I'm not sure if I've gotten around to having it as a good thing or not, uh, but I'm going to talk about this today. It is a web series from 2003 called Nerd vs. Geek, not the Rat battle. Uh, it came out, I think, the same year around the same time, but a web series by Matt Conant and his, uh, his studio, Cinnivore. You may or may not know who Matt Conant is, but you probably know who James Rolfe is, the Angry Video Game Nerd. Matt Conant is kind of... I would describe it as he's in the AVGN Extended Universe, and he has his own studio called Cinnivore. And so... One of the shows that they produced on their YouTube channel is called Nerd vs. Geek. It's 12 episodes. Each one's about six minutes. So it's like you could watch the whole thing in an hour and a half. It's season one. I'm still crossing my fingers for that season two after seven years. But I watched it when it first came out. It's great. And I would describe the main character, Matt Conant's character, as uh, a funny version of Jim Parsons. Like, imagine that Sheldon Cooper was, like, dry... Like, more consciously dry and, like, aware of being socially inept instead of being a wiener. So, like, that's the main character, Matt. And it's just... It kind of... It's just, like... I don't know, just watch it. It's really funny. It's a lot of pop culture geeky references and stuff. But, like, the idea is that uh, these the this one uh, girl... Stephanie, she's in her group of nerd friends, and she's moving into a house full of geeks. And she's like, I'm a geek too. But everyone's like, no, you're not a geek. You've never even seen Star Wars. So like, kind of playing on that angle, like how every character is socially awkward, but in a different way. Um, and the reason I'm actually bringing it up this week as my good thing, something really cool happened. Last night at work, I actually got to meet one of the cast members of Nerd vs. Geek. Uh, they came out to eat at the restaurant where I work with their family and I was actually their waiter when they came out to eat last night and it was really cool. First, I wanted to be like a little, a little cool about it. So I was like, Hey, this might be out of the blue, but do you know a guy named Matt Conant <laughs> who is the director and runs the studio? And, and they were like, yeah, actually. And I was like, Oh my gosh, were you in nerd versus geek? <laughs> like. So I started off cool, but then as soon as I got the hint that yes, this is actually the person that I thought they were, then like I got really excited. It was really cool. Uh, I had a really good time uh, meeting this cast member. They were pretty cool out to eat with their family. I didn't bug them too much, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, that's my good thing for this week: nerd versus geek and Matt Conant's Cinnivore. Um, If you want like a little introductory to Matt Conant and how I got into his work uh over analyzers which was a show on cinemassacre's website james rolf's website for a while i think actually over analyzers is still on cinemassacre but i think it's actually a cineboard production with james rolf and mike mate in there as well and also the the roast of james rolf that uh, was on youtube a few years back that's how i got to know matt conan and just
1: really fan of his dry geeky sense of humor all right uh, so, my good thing this week is the part of the episode that I just put out last night. Uh, the whole argument oh, no. about who is on what side of the cover <laughs> of Alloy of Law, Wax or Wayne. And, yeah, we just got to it in, in the episode that just got released. <laughs> and it's it's the best thing, you guys. <laughs> Dave is so convinced that that the wrong thing is true.
3: Well, here's the thing. I've am i come around to it. I've come around We're to, it. I've come around, to it. I've come around, okay, long-haired dude is Wax. But they screwed up several details on the cover. And if you actually have, like, the physical printed book, you cannot see Wax's gun. So it actually looks like he's holding a cane. All right. right. So yeah. they screwed up some details on the cover, but I'm coming around to it. Like, I could see this being Wax, and I could see this, you know, physical features being, being Wayne. So I'm like, okay.
2: I will um, agree that they screwed up a couple details on the cover.
3: So, like, Wax uses pistols, first of all, not a rifle. One man is clearly holding a pistol no, but, and but wearing a hat, a whereas Wayne...
2: He has used a rifle in the box.
3: He prefers pistols.
2: Well, sure, but... He, he also used a shotgun.
3: Eye. Yeah, the Vindicator. But yep. Wax also... It looks like Wax is looking around for a hat.
2: <laughs> that's... That's... <laughs> that's the important takeaway. Right. And, and as far Ben's as... looking for Wayne's hat for some but weird it's, reason. It's the,
0: the perfect description for the that look on his face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and
3: also the point that I made about, you know, the long-haired dude is the focal point of the picture, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's the main character because if you look at some of the promotional work for Seinfeld, Kramer's always in the middle. Just mm-hmm.
1: saying. But that's it. I'm not going to say any more about this. I'm going to say many more things about... No, I'm, I'm done. Tori, what's your good thing?
0: Well, uh, it's hard to top that one, geez. Um, so I've been telling you guys about the flowers that I enjoy in my garden. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the last one I'm going to tell you about because they're, it's November and they're all dead now. Um, maybe next year I'll tell you about some more. But uh, cosmos, cosmos are adorable They look like little daisies, but they come in lots of different colors, and they come in lots of different um, heights, I guess you could say. There are some that are itty-bitty, like they're only a couple of inches tall, and some of them get like three feet tall, and they're really easy to grow from seed, Like, and you get a whole bunch of seeds off of these flowers, so I'm going to grow a whole bunch of them next year. Anyway, Are you a
3: hippie? That's the quintessential hippie flower.
0: Um... I I might have been a hippie had I been born in another generation, but uh, probably not now. No,
1: uh, I believe. Anyway, cosmos—they're cosmos, adorable. Of, I believe they're one of the species of flower that you can grow in Animal Crossing: New Horizons. True. Well, so, I,
0: I can't testify to that, but but they're so, awesome. So,
1: Tori, you should you should get that because I, I I think you would really enjoy animal crossing new horizons i think i would
0: get hopelessly addicted to it and be unable to break away and it just sounds like a terrible idea
1: nah that's what twitch is for you watch other people play it once you've got your island sort of set up um it's i don't know like half an hour of, of stuff a day if you're really digging into everything yeah no so dave you read many lots chapters today Yeah, a lot
3: of quicker chapters this week. We are doing chapters 6 through 12 of Rhythm of War, negative (laughs) 2. Gosh dang it.
1: Oathbringer, Uh,
3: zero. (laughs) uh, Book 2.
0: Words of Radiance. Words
3: Words of Radiance, yeah. Words of Radiance. Words of Radiance by Brando Sando. All right, chapter 6 through 12. Before we get into chapters 6 through 12 of Words of Radiance, I have an announcement. We're adding, or at least I am in my personal head canon, adding a new IP to the Cosmere world. And I want uh, you three to try and guess what it is. Just one quick guess. What do you guys think it is, Craig?
2: New IP.
3: And I'm adding a new, you know know how Shakespeare's in the Cosmere and all that. Yeah, Yeah, a new one. I I got one. All right. What do you think it is, Craig? I don't
2: know. I didn't think about this.
3: Name any fictional universe. Like, we're we're real fictional.
2: Uh, Donkey Kong Country.
3: Donkey Kong Country. Okay, Mike or
2: Mario universe I should uh
1: I'm yeah, we already go with... did
0: Mario. Did we? It's already in there. Yeah. All
1: right, Mike. I'm gonna go with the collected film works of Tom Hanks. Collected
3: <laughs> film works of Tom Hanks? Okay, Tori.
0: Okay, let's see. We've already done okay, we've already done Shakespeare and we did already do Mario. Um Let's
3: see. Uh, and Bugs Bunny.
0: Yes, we did, Bugs Bunny. We did Bugs Bunny. Um Disney princesses. Have we done that yet?
3: No, although uh now okay, I want to well, work that in.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you and I need to talk later, but but please tell us what the new one is.
3: Okay, we'll find out. All right, ready? Just no, see if you can see now. if you can I want see if you can catch it in the bullet points. Alright. Uh, so <laughs> chapter, chapter six, terrible destruction. Pattern. Pattern. Come on, man. New kid. Taint boasting if some of it's true. Wait, the crew can see Fractal Doggo? Light makes shadow, truth makes lies. The desolation is always preceded by an appearance of many radiance. Uh-oh. Yasna rifles through her notes. The search for Erytheru This book is also named after a book. Bedtime, Screams, Shouts, and Smoke. So this ch- chapter Wait, takes place... Wait, I
2: figured place... it out. It's, it's Little Nemo.
3: This chapter takes place on a ship. Uh, so, so Shalane has named her companion Pattern, and I think that's that's an awful name. You can do better. And also, how come she has to name Pattern? So, Frenna knew her own name. I mean, I guess maybe they're different. They're all honor spren, right?
2: Well, if Pattern would bark, then we would figure out what his name
3: is. He does bark. He goes,
1: I see. Muff, Muff,
3: Muff. Uh are they they are all honor spren, right? Fractal doggo, and Sulfrena
1: and and Inky? No. They're not? Oh no, that's an that's assumption that you made that we never corrected because you didn't oh, actually well. ask. I thought
3: maybe there was like honor spren and they all took the form of another type of spren, like this one being the I don't want to use the L word. That's that's a slur. Cryptic. cryptic, cryptic yeah. Alright. Um that's interesting. Okay. So the crew can apparently see Fractal Doggo, yeah. but Bridge 4 cannot see Sulfrena, other than Numuhuku, Makiaki Aya Lunamore. Correct. So if there are different kinds of Spren, then maybe that actually makes more sense.
2: It does. I thought maybe
3: maybe only Radiants could see each other's radiance, each other's
1: is, is no. friends. Okay. No. Okay.
2: Even other radiant.
1: uh Okay, so the rules for Sulfrena, because these are rules you should know by now, Uh, She only appears to who she wants to Mm -hmm. and rock because he's special and he can see spread anyway. Right. Because he's not a,
3: he's not an airsick (laughs) lowlander. Yeah. Okay.
2: That's exactly why.
3: But we do kind of see fractal doggo learning more about itself and its surroundings like over time and kind of gaining sentience over time. Like so did. So, there's some kind of similar connection there. Probably has something to do with Shalan and Kaladin being lost radiance, but eh, we'll see. Uh, Desolation. So, Yasna and Shalan are apparently going to the Shattered Plains to look into finding the city of and
1: which. Uh... Hold on. Real quick. Craig, say the name of the city Uretharu.
3: Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's Uretharu.
1: Wait, I don't
2: know. What is it, Tori, actually? Is it you or
1: you?
0: You. you're a ooh,
1: ooh, ooh, right.
2: Thiru. Oh, so the, the stress is on a different syllable. Urethiru. Correct.
1: U-Town. Wait, what, what
2: happened? Why did someone change their name in our Discord? Because that's patterns.
1: <laughs> the emphasis is on the wrong <laughs> syllable.
3: Oh. Uh, All right, so they're going to uh, U-Town, and because... There should be historical records that haven't been altered by
1: people. The Ardents? I don't know. I forget. The Vorin founders? Correct. The the theory is that uh, when Vorinism attempted to take over the world uh, and were largely successful before being stopped, uh, they managed to change much of recorded history. um,
0: To make themselves look better.
1: Yep. But, But the records in Uberg
3: supposedly are unaltered and that's why they need to try to define that town
0: no no u-town i like u-town better than u-berg uh,
2: all right <laughs>
0: U-t-
3: Uton.
1: houston like of,
2: uh...
0: because i live in the tulsa area and everyone calls it t-town
1: u-town girl okay but <laughs> u-berg <laughs> makes me think of ducktales and duck yeah, and then i have the ducktales theme song stuck in my head don't do it
2: same. is that a good thing or a bad thing
1: a woohoo.
2: Well, it's a thing. Alright.
3: So that's that's Yasna's goal here. And then this book, Words of Radiance, is also named after a book within the book, Words of Radiance, uh, which is now Shalan's uh homework assignment. Uh I guess it's got the stuff like it's probably got the words of the radiant in there. I don't know. I forget if they if Yasna explained what was actually in that book or not, but whatever. And Shallan goes to bed and wakes up to screams, shouts, and smoke. And that's the end of chapter six. Chapter seven. Open flame. Shallan is an illusionist. Shallan ignores Yassa's instructions and tries to soul cast. Shallan ignores Yassa's instructions and goes to Shadesmar with Fractal Dalgo. Shallan builds a relationship. Shallan turns the ship into water.
2: <laughs> it's a relationship.
3: Shallan- oh, it is. <laughs> Shalon turns the ship into water. It would have been cooler to turn it into blood, though. Shalon gets sucked up by something. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, chapter seven. Shalon wakes up, a uh, new guy, and some people are uh, causing some havoc, killing people, threatening new people.
2: Assassins equals new guy.
3: Yeah, yeah new new so one guy. Of them, new kid. One of them new was kid. the
0: new guy that Yalb was talking to earlier.
3: Yeah, Yalb calls him new kid. Uh, So Shallan, I think, makes like a a hologram Shallan for them to chase off. And she's like, "Uh, I can soul cast the ship and cause a bunch of chaos. And maybe that'll help my sailor buddies get out as well. And so she goes into Shadesmar with Fractal Doggo. And now she has to talk to the the ship and convince it to uh, no longer be a ship, but turn into water so that it can... Uh, do do the ultimate serving of its crew, which is what ship really wants to do. So she has to kind of coax it into turning into water. She can't just go like poof. What do you need? She has to, you know, it has to be. It has to want it. It it almost is. It's reminiscent of uh the King Emperor's new stamp. Emperor's soul
2: Emperor's new stamp. I like it. <laughs> no, it's name?
1: Emperor's new stamp. You got it
3: <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Emperor's Soul, how you know you can change the form of objects, but you have to really be intimate with them, so it's like Shalon has to talk the ship into turning in the water
2: i I will say that is a very, very good option and episode
3: all right uh, so she succeeds in convincing the ship to turn into water, although she can also soul cast blood would have been cooler, but whatever. And then she gets sucked up by something and, like, fade out. End of chapter. And that's all the significant stuff that happened in Chapter 7.
2: I want to give a shout-out to Fel Knight now being Fractal Doggo. I like (laughs) the new name.
1: Well, he was AX squared plus BX plus C equals zero. And then he He was He tried to be that plus Fel Knight is fine, but there's a character limit. But, yes, now he is Fractal Doggo.
3: All right. Uh, Anything else for Chapter 7? No. Alright. Are you sure? Chapter I eight. I am
2: positive. <laughs>
3: Alright, chapter eight. Knives in the back, soldiers on the field. And uh as for the heading, uh so I have this in italics. Wait, when did Yasna die?
2: Someone all was right. not paying attention to chapter seven.
3: Yasna didn't die. Listen. In the cause all right, so Wait, is this a su- theory listen, right now? Listen, you're supposed to think that Yasna is dead, but she's not. You know how I know? Because of Marsh, because of Marsh, exactly. In the <laughs> Cosmere, in the Cosmere, listen. In
2: the... Wait, 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 Yasna. I'm trying to is do a Marsh sound bite, firm. all right? <laughs> is this what you're telling it... us?
3: One second, shut up for one second. In the Cosmere, every character is alive until proven dead.
0: Yes, that's fair.
3: Okay, Yasna is not the body. Nobody found the body. They're like, oh, make sure she's dead, and then they stabbed her in the chest and then walked away. Shaline comes back and the body's gone. She's like, whoa, that why did they drag Yasna's dead body off? And also, uh, Yasna is invincible. So there you have it. Yasna
0: is Jason in Voorhees confirmed. <laughs> That's the other IP. Uh, yes?
3: And so this no, actually.
0: Dang it. I really thought I had that.
3: <laughs> oh, it'll be obvious when it comes up. But so the heading for chapter eight, it's uh It's Nivani's journal, right? And the more so she's like, Oh blah blah blah, the loss of Yasna, right? She doesn't say that Yasna died. It could be some kind of like she's missing, or it could be kind of like she's not the same, like maybe she's like suffered some kind of physical or mental impairment due to the attack, like Lost Yasna doesn't necessarily mean that Yasna is dead in the journal. Are
1: you suggesting that they did the same gag from Arrested Development? We've lost him. Oh, hey, we found him. He was on the second floor. (laughs) Uh, I was
3: thinking more like how in Emperor Soul, how like the Emperor was lost, but yeah.
2: So the uh, the words of Navani say, I, like many, assumed her to be immortal. You're like, well, dull she is.
3: Yeah, that's in a later chapter.
2: Oh, but yeah. So, so what you're saying is, uh, Stormlight Archives is in the same universe as Mistborn. Yeah. Okay, got it. We in there. Figured it out, guys.
3: Uh, give me one second. Okay. So, yeah, I don't. Well, I don't buy that Yasna's is dead. That's that's why I didn't even bother writing a bullet note about it.
2: I, I think you should post it in Dave theories. It is a theory.
3: All right.
2: A hey, Dave. Not not copyrighted. Sorry.
3: Alrighty. Uh, done. It's in there.
2: Wait. <laughs> yes, no, uh uh-huh. alive.
3: Right, I approve. So, chapter 8. White Sun. How? How? Meeting Aladar. Shard lending. Aladar looks like Don Quixote. Dalinar... No. I was gonna change that to Sheriff of Nottingham. I forgot. Da- Aladar looks like Sheriff of Nottingham. Dalinar will have a unified kingdom. Salinar is good at tactics, so how's about trusting him with trusting the other high princes, eh? 60 days remain. Letter. Hey, right, uh, so Roshar has a white sun. That's pretty cool. They got why, different why did sun. you say how? Nah, it's got a white sun. Each planet has a different sun in this solar system, right? One of them had a red sun.
2: Well, yes, because they're different <laughs> solar systems.
3: Isn't the Cosmere one solar system?
1: No. I thought it was. It's the same no. universe? Never never has been. And I'm pretty sure I've gone over this with
0: you. Yep.
1: Um The next bullet point just says the word
3: how. I think I started writing something and then got up and had to go do something. And I came back and I didn't remember what I was writing. But I left it in there. How. All right. Uh, meeting Aladar. Aladar is another high prince. And Dalinar is going to chill with him. And he, he helps him tactically in the battle against the Parshendi. He's like, ah, the Parshendi are pulling back or something. And he shows like how smart he is in battle, but Aladar still doesn't trust him politically. And we get uh, also another neat little uh, detail about how you can lend your shards out to another person. So Aladar commands from a you know, plateau, plateau in the back. He doesn't... Uh, he doesn't get into battles himself so he lends his shard blade to one of his soldiers which takes a great deal of trust on both sides uh because for you know for the guy w- holding his sword like aladar could actually just m- instantly make it poof out of his hand so like imagine imagine oh no i was gonna say imagine sadius having a shard blade and lending it out oh. but he has a shard blade now all right uh and aladar's got like I imagine with these like puffy pants and a skirt and he's got like a thin mustache. Kind of remind me of the Sheriff of Nottingham, like from
1: the board game, but maybe not that fat. Okay. I was going to ask which Sheriff of Nottingham you were referring to because there's Alan Brooks one. There's Alan Rittman (laughs) from uh, Prince of Thieves. There is Roger Rees from the Mel Brooks one, uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. There is Pat Buttram from the Disney animated one. I was thinking of like uh, like no, a disney, disney animated one but not that. Like that
3: kind of that kind of outfit with like the puffy stripes and stuff and like little skirt. Like that's how I imagine his outfit.
0: So my disney princess theory was close.
3: Nope. All right. Uh All right. So 60 days left before the high storm cometh and then he gets a letter and Nivani comes to read the letter to him and that's the end of this chapter. All right. Chapter 9.
2: Oh, I wanted to say, uh, in response to one of your beliefs, Dalinar sucks at politics. He's good at tactics, but that doesn't mean he understands whether he should trust the High Prince or whether He's just bad at politics. Yeah,
3: the the idea is that Aladar trusts Dalinar, but he doesn't trust the other High Princes.
2: Yeah, like Sadius is a politician. Well, and a jerk, a politician. He knows how to work the angle.
3: Uh, To quote Douglas Adams... Anybody capable of making himself made president should by no means be allowed to do the job. Nope. Yep. Not saying anything about any real-world presidents. That's just a quote from Douglas Adams referring to Zaphod Beeblebrox. Uh, all right. So, hi, Princes, 60 Days Remain Letter. I think pretty we nice. pretty much we got it for Chapter 8. All right. Yeah. Chapter 9. Walking the Grave. Chasm training doo-doo. bee's real cute for a bit. Colon 3.
2: That's like always <laughs> true, though.
3: But it's like a lot in this chapter. Okay. And then time to level up magic skill. So, Kaladin is bringing the new recruits down into the chasms. Uh, they're all former bridge men, so, you know, they are actually a little more socially comfortable in the chasms down here and can kind of get them out of their shells. He has to have to train them while he and some others go off to practice his. Uh, his windrunner abilities get them out of their great shells.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
3: get them out of their krills. Great shells is better. All right, it's uh, no. pretty much it. I forget. So, says some. So, says some world building stuff, but I forget. Yeah, what. She's this is adorable. probably what made
2: you think of it. it. Still talks about that. There's other surge binders, and they have different brands. Yeah. It's right here, chapter nine.
3: All right, chapter ten. Red carpet once white of blood (laughs) yes. shallonster this lullaby is even creepier than rockabye baby
0: isn't it though
3: it's so creepy but so is rockabye baby like this is almost like a real world reference uh so this i
0: I was like i need to get out my guitar and find some minor keys and like
3: (laughs) yeah play this at your children's library show right so, Chapter Ten takes place seven years ago uh when sure. Shalon's right six right Shalon seventeen this is six years ago she's eleven uh and this is the night that her father died, and uh Shalon whatever Shalon did, she thinks she's a monster and no, this is shalon's her
2: mother died, not her father
3: is it whatever same thing uh, <laughs> but I mean, her dad is singing her a lullaby yes. So she's so whatever Shalane apparently did something. I mean, this is just like this is just like when Jubilee blew up the VCR, really.
0: Just like that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. And then she runs off, and uh, because you know she's got mutant powers that she doesn't know how to control, so she makes a mess. And so Shalaster, and then her dad's comforting her and singing her a lullaby about being at the bottom of a chasm,
2: and stuff happens. Like, it's,
3: yeah, it's a lullaby, <laughs> scared kids into going to sleep, I guess.
2: Yep, right. this is a thing.
3: So we don't get a whole lot of details about what Shallan did or how her mother died, but we, d- we do understand how Shallan holds herself responsible for something, either her mother's death or the death of the other people or whatever. All right, uh, real quick, before Chapter 11, we have a map, and it says uh, Shallan made landfall here, so thanks for the sp- spoiler, Nas freaking... I didn't know if Shallan was going to make landfall, but he had to go and ruin it. Alright, chapter 11. An Illusion of Perception. And so this is a Shallan viewpoint chapter, but it uses a different image from the previous Shallan chapters. It actually uses the one from chapter 10, her backflash chapter, but with colors inverted. So kind of like how Kaladin past and Kaladin present are like a different color flag. It's like it says pattern. It might even be pattern, uh with the with the black and white inverted. And at first I thought that she was just gonna have that symbol for her her past, but now it's like I guess this is supposed to symbolize a turning point for uh for Shallan's character or her mourning the loss of Yasna, perhaps. Or maybe it has something to do with pattern. Alright, chapter eleven, an illusion of perception. And in, in italics, his betrayal was still fresh. So this is referring to the in the, in the epigraph nivani's diary uh this is actually this giving like a time frame on where the diary takes place i mean there is a date on it 1174 but i don't rec- not sure what the current date of the the book, is. the book is that's just everything
2: that's happening in book is all the year. right
3: yeah so like this is giving kind of even if you don't know the date you get the idea that these writings are taking place in the near future. All right, so Shalan's chapter heading is now Fractal Doggo. All right, let's go. Oh, yeah. I knew it was the Sanford all along. Yasna is not dead. Sandwich on a plate. Yasna's research survived, just like Yasna. <laughs> so.
2: I don't know uh, what you're trying to tell us here, Dave. I, 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 I'm not picking it up.
3: I'm telling you, Yasna alive. So, Yasna, or rather Shalon was uh, made landfall because the the squid turtle uh, carried her to safety. And the whole time she's like being scholarly about it. She's like, I wonder how I communicate with it. And then she's like, Guy, ah, you always try to avoid your emotions with scholarliness. And then she's at, uh, it's snowy, and she. Something about the land features remind her of Cabsol's demonstration with the sand on the plate. But I'd rather have a sandwich on a plate than sand on a plate. And she finds Yasna's trunk with all of her research notes. Next scene. How to fire. What is land here is sea there. Fractal doggo is a Calvin and Hobbes. This guy is sticking to his story. <laughs> Shallan takes a nap. All right, so as as she's wandering it uh, becomes nighttime and she's like I am going to camp out in like a find some place some secluded place and build a fire and camp out but she doesn't know how to build a fire and uh she's getting ready to go to Shadesmar and Fractal Doggo is like be careful what is land here is sea there so remember when she first went to Sh- Shadesmar she was sinking in the sea of beads and when she went to Shadesmar on the ship, there was actually like a, an obsidian ground that she could stand on. So, like a little, little mixy maxy. I don't know, I don't know why. I mean, I get that everything's beads in the cognitive realm, but I don't get really the obsidian bedrock thing. And, so, uh,
2: the water is land and land is water. In-
3: it seems to be that it's very certainly land is water. The, uh, the, inverse is water is might, might be true the inverse might be true we'll see so fractal doggo it's not is, water it's it's beads. it's like sinking in, it's like sinking well, it's, in a ball it's
2: pit. beads but
3: it's sinking in a ball pit but the balls are really smalls
2: yeah i i should have put water in quotes it's not quite
1: yeah. uh dave i posted a thing that you should read as soon as possible potentially right now
3: <laughs> i am a stick I am a stick. 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 No, please don't read it I am a stick. I am a stick. Hold on. It's possible to read things
1: quietly inside your head.
3: I get the gist. I am a stick raised to the power of fifty thousand. All right, so Fractal Doggo, he's like, he's like this little spren that's you know much smaller than than Shalon, but when they go into the cognitive realm. He becomes like this this tall being that can like move around and talk clearly and stuff like we'll talk with a deeper voice, and um, yeah, so you guys know Calvin and Hobbes right
2: I know hobbes Hobbes,
3: hobbes, hobbes is a sprint, so obvious like he's. He's just like the doll when they're so in the this, physical this realm. This is what
2: we're linking here. Yeah.
3: yeah, Hobbs. Hobbs is just a doll in the physical realm, but in the cognitive realm, he becomes like a real talking bipedal tiger
1: who loves I mean, tuna. It, it floats. <laughs> yep. There you have it. Actually, tuna sounds. real. I'm going to have some tuna for lunch, guys.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking that myself.
1: All right. So this.
3: Guy, so this guy is sticking to his story. It's a literal stick. And Yasna is trying like he to... Could con- be fire. It could be fire. That would be lit. So this guy is stick, and he's sticking to his sticky story. And Yasna is trying to convince the stick. She convinced the ship to turn into water. So surely convincing a stick, it can turn into fire. Uh, would, uh, would work out, right? Well, no. I don't think she even built like a like a stack of wood to burn. Like, what was her plan if she actually. Whatever. Uh, but she one is. Tick, un...
2: One fire. That's it. I mean, it's all you need.
3: Yeah. But she eventually. She wants to take a nap, and then she finds somebody else's fire and takes a nap next to that fire. Next scene mm-hmm. NSFV. Tvalkov. Oh, I'm sorry. Tvlakov. 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 Sh- to the Shattered Plains. To the campfire that Shalon. Took a nap next to, happened to be that of the Slaver Caravan run by our good friend Tvlakiv, who I think was the dude what delivered
2: Kaladin to the Shattered Plains. Yep, he is, in is fact, dude. that dude. And not took his name for a brief moment. Oh, sorry, Fractal Doggo took his name for a moment.
3: So, <laughs> uh, yep, and yada, 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 uh, Shalon convinces them to take her back to the Shattered Plains using the persuasion techniques taught to her by Yasna. And she grabs Yasna's trunk into the Shattered Plains. And that's it for chapter 11. Chapter 12. Hero. All right. Sticky practice. Sticky sticks. The best way to practice. Hero, hero. Amaram, am I right?
2: <laughs> Dude, you're bullet points.
3: <laughs> On point. Uh, so, yeah, Chapter 12 is a continuation of Kaladin learning about his Windrunner powers. Sticks some rocks to the cliffside, sticks rock to the rock. Well, has uh, Numehukumaki Akiyai more hold on to the rock so that they can time how long it sticks to the wall, which really just never made any sense to to have Numehukumaki Akiyai more hanging from it. I mean, the rock will just fall when the effect ends. <laughs> um and poor uh, poor Sigil here is trying to be all scientific about it and try to measure the stormlight he's like well we don't have a precise timing instrument so we can't time for sure how long the rock is sticking to the wall and we I don't have any kind of unit of measurement for stormlight like we know that we know that cut stones store more stormlight than uncut stones but you know is the way it does the way it's cut matter does the material matter does the size like there's all these factors where uh, Sigil can actually measure the stormlight. So there isn't really like there's more stormlight makes
1: it stick longer. But what? How much stormlight is more stormlight? And does every diamond chip contain the same amount of stormlight? Is there variance? Yeah. We don't know. I think yep. we need
2: to science this, guys.
1: Maybe Shalon can help. But so
3: they uh, He ends up sticking the low pen to the chasm wall instead. <laughs> just... and then they and then they have a fu- they uh have a spar it's uh sigzil numihuku makiakiai lunamore and the Lopen versus windrunner kaladin and this is kind of to test how combat useful his windrunner abilities would be like he can make the ground sticky and make people stick to the ground he can make his weapon sticky and use it to disarm his, and disshield his foes uh And he ends up doing that in the spar. They've got these practice spears, which are basically just sticks. And he sticks the sticky sticks to the other sticks.
2: (laughs) No, uh, I don't I don't know how like this was actually used, but you did have certain like hilt guards or whatever. Or wasn't that like a hook sword or something like they were weapons you can use to actually pull your opponent's weapons like out of their hand. So it's actually a useful thing to just be able to do. I know that are
3: like tripping weapons like a. Like a halberd has a little
1: hook on it to right. to trip.
2: You just gotta mess with the person. Tactical.
1: How many of those sticks could have been fire? Tactical. Hmm.
0: Right. The sticks that were sticking to the other sticks are not to be confused with Shallan's stick.
1: The sti-
2: slapstick. The lopin the stick.
3: I mean, no, no, no. the lopin is a slapstick character.
1: Stick, in this scene stick was very clear. Stick is only a stick.
2: No, I'm saying both of them. I'm not saying they're the same.
1: Stick so is a stick. Lopin is the Lopin. They have
2: Lopen. a
0: hive mind.
2: All right. Uh, yep. So <laughs> we get this ominous
3: line here. Uh. You know, Kaladin can't properly practice because he's not evenly matched. He says the best way to practice is to find someone who can match or exceed your abilities. And that's like in the movie version, it's like we cut to Seth immediately after that line, right? <laughs> Uh, all right, so Teft walks in. He's like, uh, it's gonna if, even if we put all these soldiers to spar with you, you'd still kick their butts. And Teft wants to get Numihuku Makiaki to train the new troops because uh, Numihuku Makiaki has shown that he has combat prowess, he just refuses to fight for really like his social beliefs, right? He's only third sons fourth sons and beyonds are allowed to fight in in combat and conflict. So but it's okay for him to spar. He's a cook. He's a cook, yeah. And Kaladin's like, You're wasted as a cook. And Nimuhuku Makiaki Nomor is like, You don't like my cooking? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, they uh they're done training for the day. They're done training new troops, done testing out Kaladin's abilities. They leave the chasm and a strange feeling for Kaladin to be able to leave the chasm with his weapons and his spheres and they they get back up to the plateau and they hear like oh there's a there's a hero in town there's a hero at the war camp oh boy who is it who is it and then Kaladin hears the name Amaram, and immediately uh runs to Dalinar's headquarters to see his uh the the man he hates more than anybody else in all of Roshar. More the, than man who, the man who stole his shards and slaughtered his friends. And that's where we leave off. That is the end of this week's part, part one. We get some interludes next week.
1: Yay, yeah, so interludes. interludes.
2: Who do we hate more, Sadius or Amram?
1: I mean, from my perspective, Sadius. From I, Cal- I still have a personal ven- vendetta against everyone named Jeff, spelled G-E-O-F-F. They know what they did.
2: <laughs> That's not a choice, Mike.
1: They know what they did.
2: Actually, it's with their parents on their fault.
1: And now Fel Knight is going to rename himself Jeff.
2: All right. So this is the end of, of part one. Uh, so what do you think in the words of Radiance so far, Dave?
1: I like it. It's got those little
3: uh, world-building bits. Um, and it's got Sulfrena. And now we have Fractal Doggo. Um, I like the fact that Yasna is still alive uh but i i really like the whole connection between the physical realm and cognitive realm where we're really actually starting to understand at least the relationship of two of the realms is like super cool like that's this is the meta cosmere stuff that uh you guys have forced me to wait three years to find out about so definitely (laughs) looking forward to that more than anything that um, and the it, showdown really the show, the, for. it was longer the, uh... for us dude <laughs> um, but you didn't know that there was anything more to know like I knew that there was stuff to find out that I didn't know you guys were just like you got you learned about it when you learned it
2: <laughs> yes exactly
3: um, very, very also very like awesome. I, I do love I, I am also looking forward to the Kaladin's Zeth showdown which they're clearly building in this line in chapter 12 and i love it
2: the the put it in perspective when we started with elantra it was nice self-contained we knew underwater, the underwater breathing apparatus of magic system but you know it was there now we have this giant universe of abilities where you're starting to see these connections you saw in emperor's new stamp and <laughs> shallan talking to a, a stick see similarities here pretty cool yep that's it any other questions for Dave before we kick him off?
0: I have no questions.
1: Only answer. Does Dave have any questions for us?
2: Yes. In episode 3 fo 9
3: when Itchy plays Scratchy's rib cage like a xylophone, he strikes Bye the Dave. same rib twice in succession, yet produces two clearly different tones. Bye what Dave. are we supposed to believe? This is some sort
1: of a magic xylophone? Yes, it's a magic xylophone made of, made of ribs. Okay. All right. Have a good week, guys. Uh, good Bye. luck on your races today. I'll be watching once we're done recording.
0: He's gone. Play the Dave's thing.
1: Dave's gone. Play the thing. This
3: concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now.
1: Okay. Uh, what do we want to talk about for spoilers this week for Words of Radiance? All right.
2: I got stuff.
1: I also have a couple of things. Oh,
0: I am not different? surprised.
1: Uh, first thing is um, the stick. I want to I want to re repost this theory. The stick is a shard in hiding, posing as a stick.
2: Yep, that is certainly a thing that to our dictator. Shard yep.
1: in hiding. Don't know what shard. It's it's the not stick. Shard. The shard is not stick. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's that's a step too far.
2: You you know what this reminds me of? Derek from Good Place. And Derek is so Yeah, good. that's not
1: bad. I like that.
2: Actually, you know what? That's my casting choice, by the way, for Stick. It's Derek. Uh,
1: Jason Manzoukas? No, no, it's Derek.
2: Specifically Derek, as played by the actor.
1: And what is that actor's is name? I don't know. Whatever you said. I don't know his name.
0: The good place is part of the Cosmere, confirmed.
1: I mean, everyone who might know something has explicitly not known anything about the afterlife. So, yeah, could be. We still don't know
2: what it looks like. We get that little bit in um, Mistborn's Secret History where Ving goes off. We don't know what the afterlife looks like. doesn't know. Anyway, uh, so move it, continuing, you said you had more?
1: Uh, mostly, I just want to rant about how Yasna is a monster who got a bunch of people killed for no good reason. Do we want to go into that again?
0: Well, Craig wasn't with us the first time you went into it, so have yeah, at it.
2: it but I I don't. Think I agree with this, but because okay. you
0: weren't here to hear
1: my. I, I can see your
2: point. I could see your point of view. I Full disclosure, where you're getting at, but I still can't blame her for the actions of the.
1: Full disclosure. uh since I made this rant originally, I have since learned that according to a word of Brandon, Yasna did not mean to else call. She did it accidentally, so that alleviates some of it. But still.
2: Yeah, I I feel like it was sort of a uh, an involuntary reaction to almost dying. It's sort of like this is this is being that she's a radiant. This is the trigger. Boom! Mouse call stabbed.
1: But still, her solution to you know bunch of dudes coming on the ship murdering everybody is to pretend to be dead and just sort of let them continue with the murdering. When she very
2: felt. Like, she was the target, and if she's dead,
1: they will just leave. You know, after killing everyone else and burning the ship down. She
2: didn't know they would do that.
1: They had already started doing that.
2: Maybe she didn't have a lot of Stormlight. I guess she had had enough to else call. I don't know. Well, like, when Shallan
0: got stabbed in Oathbringer, it took her a bit to recover before she started to, you know, use her Stormlight to heal and to not be dead.
1: So... Well, Possibly didn't...
0: that's what happened to Yasna? Well, like she was. was the...
1: Shallan was intentionally not healing when she got stabbed. If Afterward, you're thinking of the yeah. time I, I'm thinking of.
0: Was there more than one time?
1: I thought there was just the one time where she got stabbed and she's like, Oh, I should not heal this. I should I should pretend well, right, to be dead, was... so they'll do stuff. Whatever they do with corpses, they'll do that to me.
2: So Maybe and maybe I could that was be, part of Yasin's plan to be captured so she can get to the the people, but yes, then she'd be condemning them. I was gonna
0: say family. I could be totally wrong um i I did only recently reread Oathbringer, but it has been a bit uh, I think Shalon got stabbed. she fell down dead. They picked her up to carry her to wherever they dispose of the bodies, and that was when she woke up, and she's like, oh i should I should stop healing now so I can continue to pretend to be dead." Like I, it was a conscious choice after she had been dead for a minute. I think. Please correct me if I'm wrong.
1: No, I, th- I think that's how it worked. But back to Yasna and <laughs> and and this scene really cementing that I do not like the choices she made here, and I can agree uh, with that. and feel like she has not received appropriate judgment in universe
2: yeah well when has she she murdered cold-blooded murdered those thieves way back in way of kings uh did
1: not murder it was it was a legal killing legal
2: killing sure
1: no there, specifically there, murder like is murder a is a legal definition yasna,
2: there's a lot that yasna gets away with and that's part of how she holds herself and who she is that she she does get away with more than she should i still don't think she that Bad, but she does make bad choices. Or and or a bunch a of
1: other people choice. die because of those bad choices. At yes. what point is is her responsibility supposed to kick in here? I mean, There's she should pair. be
2: responsible. Don't get me wrong; she definitely should be responsible. But I'm having trouble hating her like I do Moash and Amiram and Sadius. Like these are people who are murdering more people than Yasna.
1: You know what I'm getting from Yasna right now. Bad. i'm amaranth
2: purposely killed dude to get a shard blade
1: yes he's a villain villains are bad no one it's that's not relevant yasna is portrayed as as one of the good guys and she's still doing all of this terrible terrible stuff that ends up in a bunch of people dying because Uh, of her actions and her choices as the villain
2: that's it she's not as bad as the villain she is Yes, she meets, she she meets that
1: extremely low bar. Thank you, Craig.
2: She is the most unethical Team Radiant character. <laughs> I feel I, like she's the, to... she's the most unethical she's... of the group. Uh, I'm I want to talk to you. Yeah, go.
0: So the part where she gets away with everything. I feel like we need to define our terms. Are we calling this bright privilege because she is brightness colon? Or is it light privilege because she's a light eyes?
1: I think agree. more of it is due to her her status as Sister of the King, because they're... So, in... Yeah, I agree. In yes, Aliccar, I, I
0: agree, but what are we calling it?
1: Is she it could, she could theoretically face very minimal consequences if the King or Dalinar or one of the High Princes decided to attempt to enforce them. Anywhere else... Anyone who attempts to enforce any sort of consequences on her risks an international incident with the most powerful kingdom on the planet, and thus she can do anything short of, like, assassinating um, a sitting monarch.
0: Fel Knight agrees with me that it's bright privilege. Thank you, Fel Knight.
1: Where, like, another Light Eyes wouldn't necessarily have have this much lack of responsibility.
2: You know, speaking of characters that get away with st- Adolin getting away with murdering Sadie. It, it is bright privilege.
1: Well, I don't know that he necessarily got away with it so much as no one interested in solving the crime has figured out that he did it.
2: I mean, Dalinar lets him get away with it once yep. he finds out.
1: Anyway, back to Yasna. Uh, She is, I think, the Tony Stark of the MCU of the Cosmere in that she does oh, all these terrible, terrible things, still gets to stay on Team Good Guy. Still gets to be, you know, three movies centered on her. The the plots of all the team-up movies have her very centrally cast.
2: I think that is a very apt analogy.
1: Because, like, Iron Man 1 was chock full of war crimes. And then Iron Man 2 was attempting to separate Tony from the Iron Man suit so that he could be arrested and tried for said war crimes. And then that step failed, so they didn't really continue on with it. But he didn't not do war crimes and he also didn't face any sort of consequences for doing said war crimes anywho uh Yasna sucks and doesn't ever do anything to make up for the things that she did that cause other people to die
2: i think it's more because she doesn't have problems and but and we
1: saw that in the legal that's right. a huge problem
2: yeah yep. um
1: but yeah let's let's hope that by the time we get to her Focus book, which I believe is supposed to be the last one.
2: In the back, yeah, it might be. The-
1: um, yeah, let's hope that by the time we get there, she is better and has faced consequences for things.
2: So, I, I wanted to bring up that we really get Shalon doing soul casting, like, she needs to learn how to soul cast. It has always been, We'll do this later, don't do this, this is danger. But we've also seen how powerful of an ability it can be again what yasna does so we see how powerful it is and we've also seen by oathbringer how powerful light weaving is for Shallan. imagine if she had a handle on both of her she's really good at light weaving what if she can also be not even very good so much as passable with um soul casting she she needs to develop this untapped skill and she's so much more useful for the team
1: i'm actually really surprised in spoilers for preview chapters uh we haven't seen her do more soul casting like there's a year that passed between she should have worked on it in that time
2: right i mean we haven't really gotten too much on her but uh i don't know it just it's it's the same thing as uh i've noticed that she stepped away from being a natural historian and that was like part of her character like i'm seeing this in words of range i'm that sort of thing and instead of becoming like a spy matter type person Um it just doesn't really tap into the soul casting. It might be different for her for for light weavers in general. Uh I imagine her strongest surge is the light weave and the uh it's sort of like the secondary surge is the soul casting. So it's probably not going to be as powerful as Yasna. But it's still going to have it's going to do something. It has
1: something. Uh I I see a major hole in Fell Knight's theory. Uh, he said, "Like skybreakers, only get division after third oath. So maybe she is not ready. The problem is she has soul cast and she has done illusion, so it's not locked behind an a. I guess a truth well, that she hasn't spoken yet.
2: And also, Kaladin, he has access to both his surgeon. But I thought that was more. And I, we have to get to that chapter with the skybreak. I thought it was just that they don't teach about the vision, and they're sort of again." These are skybreakers. They follow the law. If they're told don't do division, they're not going to do division like that's just that is the way they are. They're not going to break their oath. Um, I imagine they had access to it and because they weren't taught it, they were told not to access. I don't. It's not that they weren't able to so much as they weren't allowed to. That's That was my interpretation. Maybe I'm wrong because it's been a, a little while since I read that. What do you guys think? That
0: floats.
1: So regarding the thing where Kaladin says that in order to get better, you should train with someone better. Um, yep. I spent a lot of time back in college playing Smash Brothers with my roommate, and he was always better than me. And by the end of the time that we regularly played Smash... I was way better than he used to be. Unfortunately, he also improved, so I never actually got better than him.
2: Right. But if you probably went against other, pl- other players, you'd be like, wow, I'm so much better.
1: All right. I think I'm out of spoiler stuff for this.
2: Um, I guess the, the other thing is that Shallan, as Dave pointed out, Shallan does her soul casting. It is very similar to the identity-aching stuff that we see in Emperor's Soul, which I think that's just the way it works. You mess with identity in order to get things to be different. So telling trying to get a different stick to become fire might be possible if you can convince them to. Shalan is not very convincing. And part of the whole theme of Shalan in Words of Radiance is her book is sort of trying to become more comfortable being a different person, specifically being more like Yasna or how other bright ladies actually ha- having that self confidence of what trying to gain a so and if she had tried it that.
0: on a more, if she had tried it on a more weak-minded stick, it would have worked.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. If well, she if so... she
1: had attempted it on something that wasn't a shard in hiding,
2: there so you go. You look, you look at Emperor Soul, and and part of it, the the stuff that was being changed, it was sort of like, oh, this this wall remembers it being something like this. It remembers a artist, be, you know, a floor above or something. So it's it's tapping into its memory and how it used to be that's why it's really hard to change a stick into fire because a stick doesn't remember being a fire it remembers being part of a tree um so you can maybe tap into that so being able to convince it is also understanding what kind of arguments you can use to get it to change and shallan's not very good at it yet but as shallan improves her light weaving ability and tapping into things identity because that's her thing being able to take a memory and actually looking at the true identity of something as she gets better at that she should be even better at soul casting see the identity of something and therefore should be able to change it
1: Shalan needs to take a tour with uh ryzen as her babsk she needs to learn how to mm. how to be emergent right
0: so i have a theory for you guys and this seems as good a place as any to talk about it um, so we have seen, uh, when Kaladin is doing cool stuff, how he gets all the wind sprint, and we've yep. all pretty much decided that that's going to be the shard plate, right?
1: Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that tracks.
0: Well, Shalon when she does cool stuff, gets surrounded by creation spren. So that's yep. my theory. Creation spren, our shard plate, for light weavers.
1: And Dalinar gets glory spren, so same deal, but his specific version of bondsmith yeah that that tracks
0: that is it that was the whole theory
1: okay uh shall we move on to preview chapter
0: yes yes we shall
1: all right tori walk us through the preview chapter
0: all right so this is chapter 18 which we only have one more preview chapter after this and then we have a whole book it's exciting
2: um hold on hold on before you go Have we formed a plan of how we're going to handle it on on our podcast? No, we haven't any
1: plan. We'll just talk about what we can when we can. We are winging it so hard.
2: And do like a mini Dave thing, not with bullet points, not what Tori's doing right now. But we can at least be like, okay, part two had this, part double spoiler time. I
1: feel like like if we really wanted to, we could probably talk about a part a week. Right. And that would give us, hopefully, plenty of time to get all the reading done, hopefully.
0: I mean, I'm going to, like, lock myself in a closet and read the whole thing as soon as I get it, so...
2: Yep, agree. I'm glad we're getting it on a Tuesday, so hopefully I can get it done by our podcast on Saturday.
0: I say we just have an overall review where we say, you know, just kind of give our off-the-cuff opinion, and then we talk more deeply about it. As it comes up.
2: We'll figure it out. We got. All right. Bring us home, Tori.
0: Chapter 18 is called Surgeon. But first, a little message from Professor Navani. Remember last week, she told us about the metal that they had discovered that can block a shard blade. And we decided it probably wasn't aluminum because we've talked about aluminum before. Like they are aluminum aware on Roshar.
1: So that wasn't what it was. I thought the conclusion we came to was that it wasn't pure aluminum. But that it it was more likely some sort of alloy.
0: Hang on. So this week, she says that the fused have a second metal. And this one can conduct stormlight. So now we have two weird metals that we were not hitherto aware of. I'm thinking they're god metals on Roshar.
1: See, and I'm thinking that one of them might be silver. Like the, the storm like conducting might be silver.
2: Yeah.
0: But I thought they knew about silver. I, I
2: feel like the god metal thing is sort of more tied to ruin and preservation because they're very metal centric on that planet. So it sort of makes sense that their bodies would have metals. I'm not convinced that same thing happens here. Like I could I could imagine cultivation cultivation's body would be plant like rather than a metal because of how she, like what how she viewed herself more intent Um this is interesting, though, for us, uh, more cosmic aware, it, if it conducts stormlight, that means it conducts investment. very interesting.
0: Yes, So she mentions um, that she thinks this is how they uh, pull stormlight out of uh, the radiance. And she assumes that void light is similar, but they haven't seen that. Um, and it, it does this by forming a, a pressure differential, or a kind of vacuum.
1: I I just want silver to come back into play after Shadows for Silence because it was so right. important there, and the only other time we've seen explicit of silver is in the first Mistborn book because it is alchemantically inert.
2: Okay, so silver there on Shadows, it's it harms the shades, right? The cognitive shadows. It does something.
1: It blocks them. Um, if you if you have like a plate of silver buried in the ground, they can't cross that plane, right? and a, a silver dagger will destroy a shadow, a shade, and then silver dust will heal Withering.
2: So a Cognitive Shadow is just sort of investiture, a pull of investiture that has tied itself to some cognitive notion, and it's present in the realm, right? That's sort of what a Cognitive Shadow is. So if silver can conduct investiture, and this entity made of investiture touches it, I could see it sort of dispersing because, you know, it's been conducted. I could see it dispersing its body. So it would be like an electric shock when it touches it, which you've seen what happens in On Therinity.
1: It also tarnishes the silver and makes it not work anymore. So I'm wondering if right. On Therinity, silver carries sort of a positive charge and the shadows mm-hmm. carry like a negative charge.
2: Or it could just—it could just be magnetism rather than an actual charge. So it could be the way the atoms are facing, not necessarily a positive charge. And we can have the same thing when it touches it, or you to send electricity through it; it becomes not magnet.
0: These are all very interesting theories. Moving on. <laughs> so as the chapter begins, this is the Kaladin chapter, as the chapter begins uh, Kaladin is moping he's he's looking a, over the landscape and kind of brooding over it like he's so good at it um,
2: well, hold on Tori, I'm sorry I, ha- I have to, before we fully move on, I did want to briefly touching on the pressure difference and void light i just wanted to point something out with void light what if void light is sort of like the opposite not the opposite of investiture but it's like negatively charged invest is why you can get a pressure like that's why void light and the way it is suck in investiture rather than spit it out or it could be like antimatter. so anti-investiture so when it touches investiture it's bad but otherwise it works okay sorry please go you sure Yes, I just wanted to get that out there.
0: Okay, Kaladin chapter. Kaladin is practicing his smolder. Um, smolder. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's looking out over the landscape and brooding and thinking deeply about things.
2: You don't just isn't the smolder like that's entangled, right? Where you like you get your smolder going because it's it's not necessarily like negative, right? Yeah, or, like, it is from entangled.
0: No. Uh, like I imagine, he looks pretty attractive while he's doing it, because he's the main <laughs> character, and he would have to. That's fair. Anyway, so he's at the Oathgate platform, and um, he goes through the Oathgate uh, to the Shattered Plains. He is on his way to meet up with the Fourth Bridge that has finished its journey um, from from Hearthstone, and so Kaladin is going out to to meet the refugees. Um, he brings his family back to the tower. And he's showing them the set of rooms that uh, Navani has set aside for the village. Um, And he's talking about the structure of Erethiru. There's a lot of things going on there that we don't know what they're for. Like, he specifically mentions this weird, like, duct going across the middle of the hallway that everybody has to duck under as they're passing by. That's weird. I wonder what that's for.
2: So... he, yeah, he's also pointing out, like, the weird rooms where you can't access them, but they have tiny holes that you, you can look into them, but you don't know how to get there. I'm wondering right. if this is sort of like like the, the castle in, like, Hogwarts, where it's, like, these rooms and stuff move around with a more sentient... If the tower was sentient, like, the sibling comes back, you can actually, like, move things around and be like, I need this room, and then boom.
0: That's one theory. Um, I was thinking it was more like... um. And I know we haven't really talked about it, but in White Sands, you know, the the palace or whatever it is that belongs to the Sandmasters, the upper floors, there there's no stairs. So you have to be a Sandmaster to get up there. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe it was something like, these are things that are accessible by certain Radiants doing certain things.
1: Yeah. Edge Dancers can can squeeze into tiny holes.
0: That was the one I was specifically thinking of, but maybe there's others that we are not aware of yet.
1: What if
2: what if they're made for sprint? What if these that are too. for sprint?
0: Yeah, because we know in the meeting room that there are actually chairs for sprint.
2: I still think it's weird to have a giant tube in the middle of a room that you have to duck under, but it's Yeah, that's a weird.
0: Yeah, for that I like your Hogwarts theory that, you know, maybe the tower moves in some way and that just happens to be where the ducked thing was when it stopped
1: moving. Or it's for parkour. <laughs>
0: Edge
2: dancers, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the edge dancers need something to do when they're running through the tower. So
0: they're going through this hallway, uh, weird structures. Uh, Kaladin also points out the cool, like, crystal veins and things, and his parents stop to admire the... um, some kind of stone. I don't remember. Um, Oh, yeah. Um, The strata are green. Um, And Hasina and Liren kind of lovingly rib at each other and i think they're adorable and i love them and they must be protected at all costs
2: um real quick about the iron isn't that because it's oxygenated and that's why does anyone who understands uh
1: copper turns green when it rusts iron turns uh you may want to sit down for this rust colored (laughs) so red (laughs) got it
0: yeah I, i don't know if there's actually a reason it should be iron turning green, or if that's just Hasina being funny. um Speaking of funny, Syl is hilarious. She keeps talking with Kaladin's parents and um, telling telling them all the things.
2: Tori. <laughs> yes. Electrochemically oxidizing iron plates can form green carbonate rust.
0: Wow, Hasina must be really smart. Moving on, Syl talks about putting a rat in Kaladin's boot, and that's the best thing in this chapter. It's the best thing in this chapter changed my mind
1: i don't want to (laughs) uh
0: anyway so kaladin shows his parents all of the rooms where the villagers are going to live and then he finally gets around to showing them the rooms that will be their rooms he has found some really nice rooms for them uh he's actually found um a place where his father can set up a surgery and he has gone as far as to set up this surgery um With all of the cool things, like all the fancy equipment from Karbrons, and things that his father has never heard of before, and things that his father has always wanted. And Kaladin is so cute here, he's just like, look at these rooms I set up for you, I did my very best, please love me.
1: And there isn't even a tube across the room that you have to duck under every time.
2: I mean, that's a negative in my opinion.
0: But, even though the rooms are really cool, it seems like Liren doesn't like them. And Kaladin's like, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? And Liren's just like, well, there's not going to be surgeons anymore because we've got all those edge dancers now that can just heal people immediately. And Kaladin assures him that, you know, edge dancers are not as common as they would like. And even then, there are some things that they can't heal. And so there's still going to be a need for surgeons Mm -hmm. and doctors in this new world that they've got going on. And so then Laren gets all excited, like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest surgery I've ever seen. And he's he's excited. Yeah, he geeks out. And it's adorable. And that's when Kaladin tells him, um, well, you know, um, I really can't be a soldier anymore. Uh, I kind of need to do something else with my life. And his dad's like, oh my gosh, you're going to keep being a surgeon with me. You're going to restart your apprenticeship or resume your apprenticeship or whatever. And so Lyran geeks out again. And Kaladin's like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it exactly. I'm going to be a surgeon now.
1: And this was my first choice. I did not talk to 800 other people about things I could do. Happiest dad right here. Happiest dad.
0: Sad Kaladin.
1: I certainly didn't get slapped in the face multiple times with one of Adelin's socks while talking to an ardent about being Sad. an ardent. So Liren was
2: sort of worried that essentially field medics would replace doctors. Not the case. And and I think it's a good point that Kaladin brings up. You're gonna still need doctors and surgeons. People to do the the little, you know, odds and ends. You need someone to deal with lifelong issues that need to resolve it's just you can't have an edge dancer everywhere
1: right and even
0: then like how many of the edge dancers and truth watchers do you think have had medical training and actually know about anatomy and things as far as i as far as i know they were just stumbling through their powers blindly and hoping things worked and for the most part they were working because these are powers beyond mortal understanding but a little medical training could probably help out a lot
2: Speaking of which, Laren should help with that. Maybe do a little, little teaching session with the edge dancers to be like, "Hey, here's some information about how the body works," so maybe they can become better healers.
0: That could go a long way.
2: Yeah. So, what do you guys think about this being Calden's choice of what? I to don't
0: do? think I don't think it's a good choice.
2: I don't think it's gonna stick.
1: I don't think it was even in the top ten of things he wanted to do. I I think he's down to desperation, and I think it's a bad fit at this point.
2: I, while it's not a good fit, I think this could help teach him his fourth ideal.
1: I think this is going to actually end up being a bad thing for his relationship with Liren.
2: Perhaps, but I think that was the whole point of what we saw. In the the previous, or what's it called? The the flashback chapters in Way of Kings. Lyran's trying to teach Kaladin to be able to accept that sometimes he cannot heal someone. That sometimes you use someone else who has uh, an easier injury to deal with versus a life-threatening one. So this is sort of a continuation of that. I don't know if it will work or if it will make Kaladin worse. We're still in part one, but I think this could ultimately be a good thing. Like have- for Kaladin's growth.
0: I don't know. I think it's gonna I think it's going to be difficult growth yes. because of his relationship with Liran. Like I think mm-hmm. if he went off to train in surgery with any other surgeon, it might work better. But in the in the discussion on Tor.com that goes with this chapter, one of the beta readers was going as far as saying that Lirin is emotionally abusive. I don't think it goes that far, but if you look at the way Kaladin reacts to his dad, just this desperate need to please him and always feeling like he doesn't measure up. And are you guys talking about me or about what Mike is typing?
2: No, no, I was just trying to... Go on.
0: Okay, but just the way Kaladin... He's a freaking Night Radiant, you guys. He's in in charge of... A bunch of other radiants. He's a commanding officer and then as soon as he gets around his dad, he does the whole cringy, Oh my gosh, please love me. Like I, I desperately need your approval. And that is painful to see.
1: Uh the trope and... is called Well Done Sun Guy. That's a trope? Yeah. On T V tropes. Why am I not
2: surprised? I okay. That's that's a that's a good point. I think this is why I think this is important for Caledon's growth. I think it's more Liren has to grow and accept what his son wants to do. And and this needs to happen. Okay, here's what I'm predicting for the book. Liren needs to see and really take a good look at at Kaladin, what Kaladin wants, rather than what Liren wants Kaladin. And once he accepts that, he can properly give that information, that acceptance to Kaladin, who can then accept himself and what he can do, and maybe eventually get to the deal. And you know, lead his wind runners and all that other fun stuff. This is sort of this is a transition. This is a Liren needs to grow and the relationship between Liren and Kaladin needs to develop more.
0: I agree. Like Liren needs to grow because do you see Liren treating Kaladin like a Night Radiant? I'm I'm imagining Liren just going back to, okay, here's my my apprentice, my son, and trying to be the authority figure over Kaladin. Even though Kaladin has grown so much, and but I honestly see Kaladin rolling over and taking that treatment.
1: Did you wash your hands? No, I have stormlight. Wash your hands, but <laughs> I have stormlight.
2: <laughs> that's what we're gonna get in one chapter. That's that's the whole chapter. Hey, Kaladin, wash your hands. Anyway, that was the whole chapter. It's a short chapter, but I'm I'm glad we get to see more of Kaladin's parents. I, I don't like think that
1: Kaladin's future is surgery. It's. I fair.
0: agree night ponders, how does part one end, do you think? Well, we've I'd only got one chapter hangers. left. Yes, there will be a chasm hanger.
1: I don't know. We're not really set up for, like, anything big to necessarily happen. Like, we've set up for things to happen in the next part that need a little more buildup. Uh, yeah, we are in Rhythm of War spoilers.
2: I, he's not listening. He's, okay. He's avoiding.
1: Right. Yeah. I could have just looked and seen who was... It. Yeah, okay. Okay um so i think you you mentioned before that this is
2: sort of like a it was meant to feel like an epilogue that we were sort of in a in a brandon avalanche a sanderson avalanche sanderson tsunami whatever at the beginning of rhythm of war like that there was a whole book of content and we're getting the big avalanche and now we're sort of like in the epilogue of that right
0: oh yeah you're right i think that's what brandon said in his reddit annotation this week
1: so the big final battle was the fourth bridge coming to Hearthstone? Yeah. If, if we're following this? Right, right. Yeah. That doesn't seem quite final battle-y enough for me, but I guess we're going to get a real one at the end of this book, so I guess it's fine.
2: Yeah, but we, we had the resolution with ELA. Like you said, they were able to get the people of Hearthstone, big battle there. But there's also a bunch of setup. I, I mean, part one in general, I think of these books, they're always like, let's let's sort of world build or book build the the current thing so it's all set up and we're not really going to get some chasm hangers alike
1: part three well if we compare it to its equivalent book of uh words of radiance which we just ended part one of the the big thing is amram's coming yeah uh do we have something equivalent to that that would be relevant in this book because i can't really think of anything there's no reason for moash to announce his arrival that would be dumb.
2: It could be like some envoy from the Honor Sprint or something to invite invite some ambassador to go visit their town, something like that.
1: Um, we've already got Venly set up for her plot of the book, so we don't really have anything else to add there until that actually gets going, and that's that's more than a chapter, right? Um, I, don't I, know. I feel
2: like we need the more from on... Navani. N- Navani had that whole weird call of the Spanry, and that's sort of it.
1: The current thinking I've read on that is that the call came from the sibling. Yeah. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I don't have a better idea so uh
2: we we discussed that one more I think i'm I'm in the camp that it was the sibling, but that that's we have to see like what are the major characters, like what plot lines do they have? I feel like maybe I don't know,
1: I don't know.
0: we'll see We will see in a week
1: and we are not discussing Dawn Shard yet, right,
0: right. Uh, I just want to give a little tiny review. A little tiny review. Excellent. I just want to say, it was really good, you guys. I really liked it. It was so good. I think it's my favorite novella, all Cosmere.
2: Um, I have to agree, partially, because I'm I'm still reading it, but I like the Lopin perspective, Chatter. I
0: like the Lopin. There's I like so fun. a lot.
2: Also, we, get, we did find out that all the things that Lopin calls people, like he calls Kaladin Goncho. That's just essentially cousin of some form. Gonzo probably being like leader cousin, and he has right. a different word for every person that he talks to. And he
0: That's... he specifically mentions it that he he says something about the Herdasian language at some point in the story, and he's like Herdazian is superior to other languages because we have all the words for the types of
2: cousins. That's <laughs> right. So whenever he says something weird to a person, that is his form of cousin.
1: Yes, the the Lopen is wonderful. Risen is also an excellent character that I enjoy reading about. I hope we get more of her in in Rhythm of War. And yeah, Favorite
0: new Cosmere fiction. It's going it's going up there in the rankings, you guys. One
1: hundred percent, it was worth the ten bucks that I spent.
0: One hundred percent,
1: and I believe it is also going on sale on its own for people who didn't back the Kickstarter uh, later this week. From and you guys from what should buy it. I agree.
0: And I'm now now we Edge can
2: again, you
0: really don't, you don't because Dawnshard was so much better than Edge dancer.
2: You can it's just different <laughs> we I need all of Cosmere. need to absorb it all,
0: okay, but first read Dawnshard, then you can reread well, Edge Dancer.
2: I'm currently reading
1: Dawnshard.
0: and then you can read Dawnshard again because it's just that good.
2: see what I missed
1: it It is quite good, but I don't know that it's best in Cosmere, if only because. It's, you know, part three and a half of ten. And oh, I've you, got you a lot need... of stuff
0: to discuss when we discuss it.
1: You need I'm that first saying. 30% of of Stormlight in order to understand anything of what's happening in it. Where something like a, uh, you know, an Emperor's soul stands alone.
0: Okay, right. It doesn't stand alone. But it was so good, you guys.
2: So look forward to that talk next week.
1: Yep. All right. Uh, anybody got finish. anything else or we... Should I go ahead and end it?
0: You should end it.
1: Go ahead. All right. Good night, Bye, everybody.
2: Bye.
0: This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.